It's a Wednesday, and you know what that means. It's time now for Supernatural News and Parashare. We got a little of both today. It's the Aliens, Aliens Everywhere edition. You heard me right. There's so much alien news, we can't contain it. For that, we need to bring in a co-host. We'll bring in the co-host with the most of BCB himself, the big cuddly bear, Beer City Bruiser. Bruiser, how you doing? No, I'm doing great. Can't wait till we get to sit and talk about the ETs going on. <laughs> oh, my God. I, you know, it's like it, you start with a little alien invasion in a mall in Miami, and all of a sudden they're everywhere. I, it, yeah. They're like cockroaches with the light on. It, they didn't scatter this time, though. They're they're in every little corner and every little bit of the world, it seems well, like. Well, I hope every story involves a mall. We need to bring life <laughs> back to the malls, and I think the aliens can do that. <laughs> I think the 80s is a theme this week. Uh, our guest uh, on True Crime True, uh, Tuesday, uh, Frank Gerardo, was talking 80s with, with his book, um, yeah, the '80s I think is the theme this this uh, this last couple of weeks. I think we're we're all waxing nostalgic. The aliens are bringing it back. Well, they say like our radio signals going out won't reach them for a few years, so they're probably just now getting into the '80s, going, "Oh, this is awesome! Let's go! <laughs> Yay! Might Mullet as well for everybody. Might as well jump." Uh, yeah, no, I think so. I, they're probably uh, they probably like all the neon colors. Probably, yeah, probably, yeah. In probably into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I said, aliens, aliens everywhere. Of course, we've got your nightmare fuel. You can't go a week without it. I mean, you could, but what would our show be without it? <laughs> right. And uh, we've got we've got a little bit of the spooky as well. Uh, we've got a couple of interesting ghost stories for you today. Oh, good. I love a good ghost story. And to wrap it up today, Bruiser, I'm in love with a stripper. <laughs> because we have to wrap the show up somehow. Oh, of course. Yeah. Why not with strippers? Yeah. Well, it's it's an unusual stripper. Um, <laughs> we'll just put it that way. Uh, and that's how we're, we're wrapping up today on uh, Supernatural News and Parashark. But let's start it off with uh, Big Big Aliens. You know, the one that was in Miami was a Big Big Alien. It was like nine feet tall they were claiming, right? Yeah, although that's been debunked. I mean, I still have people... It has. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, the whole video has been debunked. Yeah, I still have, <laughs> but, I still have people sending me that, that, that video, by the way, and like, look at it a third time, Tim. Look at it a tenth time, Tim. Look at it a twentieth time, Tim. Here's a video of a video of a video, Tim, that even though it's been debunked, Tim, says that it could be a conspiracy of a conspiracy of a conspiracy. So, Here, Tim, squirt lemon in your eyes. Take a look at it now. <laughs> I tell you, even though I've washed out my my eyes with my morning tea, it still is just a blurry video of, of people walking around. Yeah, and it like we said, it's been debunked. So yeah, but it's still fun for us. Although TMZ, God love them, they were on top of it before everybody else. Went from Miami all the way down to South America and showed us ten foot aliens on a hill. Days oh, okay. Later. Okay. Did you see this video? No, this video I haven't seen yet. I saw the mall video. I haven't seen this video yet. This video was almost majestic. It looked like a rock a rock video. <laughs> I thought at first it was a Christian video, like a Christian rock video with yeah. the with the tall aliens standing on a hill with their arms outstretched and the sun's shining on them. So good old jars of clay video. Yes. Worship and everything. Yes. Yep. It was a jars of clay video. Ten foot aliens spotted on a hill days after similar beings were seen in a shopping center. Lanky extraterrestrials were filmed by a shocked onlooker in Brazil just days after the shadow aliens were spotted in Miami, with many left scratching their heads over the strange encounters. Two towering aliens were standing at a whopping 9 feet 8 inches tall 
And they were reported spotted on a hilltop just days after reports of shadow ETs emerged in Miami. The alleged extraterrestrial beings were caught on camera by a stunned passerby. I'm reading that as stunned, not stoned. Okay. (laughs) Just so you know. Uh, Sarah Delette is her name. uh, And she was out hiking with her family. And she stumbled upon the mysterious figures on Brazil's Ilha Domel Island. The or she claimed it was impossible to reach that hilltop that those aliens, quote unquote, aliens were on, or communicate with the strange beings while she was there, who moved swiftly and appeared to be at least ten feet tall. This is according to Sarah. Okay. Now I'm going to show you a picture here, Bruiser, of what she captured. She says this is the ten feet tall. Strangers in question. You can't judge from this distance. You can't. That that just looks like someone standing on a hilltop. Yeah, but it kind of does look like a Jars of Clay video, doesn't it? It does. Oh yeah, I can see the video. Yeah. It, like you know what? That could be a 1980s video, like a Men in Hats video, where they show the far off shot and then it does that really fast zoom in. Remember when they yeah. used to do that back in the day? The really fast zoom in. Yeah, yeah. And there's the lead singer of Men at you know Men at Work just going down under, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he wants his Vegemite sandwich. Yes. The Piranha State government took a lighthearted approach to the tie to the supposed sighting. A spokesperson quipped, "Our summer is." from our summer is from another world i don't even know what that means (laughs) i don't either uh even strange beings come here to enjoy our coastline oh see it's a tourism video for them now uh locals also had their say on the matter with some even comparing him to footballer peter crouch one resident joked wow peter crouch might not be able to go camping anymore (laughs) okay Another local added, it has strange arm movements. I believe it. We're not the only inhabitants of this universe. A third quipped, could it be E.T. calling someone? Okay, now here's a different picture, and I'll show you. There's there's a perspective picture here with a circle, so you can see both of them. Do you see that one? Yeah, I see, I see them both. But do they look Still, like they're 10 feet tall? No, they look like normal people just chilling out on a hillside. The one the one on the bottom looks like he's wearing a T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's a souvenir T-shirt they got at the Brazilian uh, wax shop. So, uh, yeah. Well, that's the one that says, uh, you know, my partner went to Brazil and all I got was this lazy, lousy T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, my, my partner went to Brazil and all I got was this really cool wax. <laughs> uh, however, some were skeptical with one person stating, look closely at the images. It's a real person. It looks like this person had binoculars or a camera. Well, the aliens need something to take pictures with. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're tourists, of course. Yeah. It's a T-shirt tied around his head. Because mm. <laughs> uh, he's hot and he's sweating. Yeah. A second said, the guys up there saying, why is there a bunch of crazy people filming us? Another commented, <laughs> the poor guy probably took a long time to climb that hill. And then a gossipy tourist films uh, him with their phone and says, it's E.T. <laughs> which is probably closer to the truth. Uh, The sighting in Brazil comes just days after a UFO expert spotted a shadowy alien-type creature walking near police cars in Miami. And we went over this story. Footage of the incident was shared widely on social media with, uh, I'm going to show Bruiser the uh, grainy picture again. Uh, Play spot the alien with this Bruiser and uh, tell me if you can see him. (laughs) This is kind of like where's, yeah, yeah. Where, where's Waldo? 
I see uh, all the palm trees, yeah. some cars. Yeah. I don't see an alien at all. Yeah, you see him. He's the granny one by the police cars. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, they're handcuffing him and yeah. booking him, huh? Yeah. And the, whoops, there's the gloved hand going inside the alien. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A footage of that incident was shared widely on social media by quote-unquote eagle-eyed viewers who claimed the giant silhouette was that of a being from another planet. The giant silhouette was just a... It's just a, camera stuff is yeah, what it was, right? It was, camera and lighting is what they debunked it as. Yeah, it was just bad pixelation. So yeah. a really grainy photo. Who, who? Okay, who has a really grainy camera now with with as good as phone cameras are? Yeah, I I wonder the same thing every time I see people send us pictures and stuff. It's like. Even if you're not an iPhone user, like I have the brand new iPhone. I don't have the titanium yet, but I have an iPhone. Yeah. And I film all my underwater needlepoint promos for them. And they're oh, like yeah. movie quality. And, and like I can make it cinematic. I can do all this. I've taken pictures of the dogs, mm-hmm. you know, while they're running and there's no blur. Right. Like how are we not getting aliens and Bigfoot on our cell phones? You can see the rings on a Nat's asshole from 50 yards with any camera on any phone these days. And yet yeah. we still have blurry alien shots at a Miami mall. Yeah. It's like somebody's like, oh, look, an alien. Quick, pull out your Razor phone and take a picture. Of it. <laughs> I think I still have that <laughs> shitty Razor phone from 20 years ago. Let's film them with that. They'll believe us. Yeah, we don't want to scare them off with our technology. Let's bring out, you know, the Nokia's. <laughs> yeah, they, they'll they'll understand that. Uh, yeah, you got a disposable camera. I don't want to scare this alien. I'll wait four days <laughs> to get the film developed. <laughs> That's got to be it. Uh, let's move on. We'll go overseas to uh, Britain, where a Tesco shopper. I think that's our version of uh, Costco. Okay. <laughs> uh, captures a UFO by mistake while taking a photo of a sunset sky outside the store. I don't know how many times I've been shopping over at Tesco and have decided that's a really pretty sky. I'm going to take a photo. <laughs> I don't know. What it, how many you know, times? I, I have to admit, Mrs. Bruiser's that way. She's done that to me. Yeah. Yeah, we've gone someplace, and I'm walking in, and she'll go, wait, wait. And I'll be like, what? And she'll be like, look how beautiful. And I'll be like, what? It's a store. Huh? That, did, that store's <laughs> always signage. Been... Like, great yeah. signage. Okay. <laughs> My gosh. A shopper who paused after a trip to the supermarket so she could snap a picture of a pretty sunset captured what appeared to be a UFO on camera. Kat Thompson took a break from unloading her shopping in the car park of her local Tesco while she stopped to snap the beautiful blue, pink, and purple sky. It wasn't until later when Kat had put the picture on her family's WhatsApp group that her loved ones pointed out a ring-like structure hovering amid the clouds. Well, at least she got something out of the photo. Yeah. 49-year-old Kat couldn't believe her eyes when she took a closer look at the image taken in a branch of Tesco in Staffordshire. Her sister, Julia Williamson, said Kat took the picture because she loved the color of the sky. We noticed the UFO a few minutes later. Cat uh, was on a completely normal grocery shopping trip. Her husband, Neil, noticed it first and made some joke on our WhatsApp group about aliens not included. <laughs> oh, this is... Why, a- why do they have to specify that she was on, like, a normal grocery trip? Like, does that make her seem more believable <laughs> like because we all grocery shop i guess but i'm about to blow this one up too tell me what's wrong with this photo 
That's a, a light flare, it looks like. That's an atmospheric, uh, that's just an atmospheric flare combined with a, a camera trick. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's a perfect circle. Yes, it is. And it doesn't look solid at all. No, 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 not at all. Um, interesting. I think I might post this in the description of this program so you can look at this photo yourself. You know what that looks like? Do you remember back when they used to take pictures when they broke the sound barrier and it always had that ring around the, the aircraft? Yes. Because that's when it broke through. That's what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this uh, this does not look like a UFO. This This looks like... It just looks like a light anomaly that happens with water vapor. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, exactly what it looks like. Yep. Julia also added, while we all agree that there are unidentified flying objects or whatever the most up-to-date phrase is, none of us believes in little green men visiting, I believe it's Otto Exeter or Otto, yeah, Otto Exeter, I'm afraid. I probably butchered the name of the, the town. However, one can see how such pictures would appeal to believers, and it certainly sparked a bit of a debate. I'm pretty surprised how even modern cameras can bounce light around to trick the eye. That's exactly what happened here. Light bounced off a cloud. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's, if you look at the light source too, it's almost perfect. Uh, Facebookers also debated what that blur in the sky could be. One said my uneducated guess would be Saturn. I don't think it's Saturn. Uh, (laughs) That's way too close to be Saturn. I'd be worried if that's Saturn. If that's Saturn in the sky, we're all fucked. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Another said, I'd say lens flare, but if you zoom in, it looks to be a bit of silver of the moon through a hole in the clouds. And another added, it's definitely interesting Many comments here says it's a lens flare, but those usually are greenish to, greenish to bluish, so I don't know if I agree. If she didn't see it at the time, it's probably a lens flare, but still, uh, glitch in the matrix, one says. I, no, it's it's water vapor. It's water yeah. vapor on the clouds, and it's not unusual to get that water vapor to reflect off the clouds. When you see this, what it is, folks, is you'll see what looks like a shelf cloud and then the clouds in the background. And that water vapor is sitting on top of the shelf cloud. And then you get that reflection at just the right angle if there's moisture off that shelf cloud. Um, whenever, whenever people, uh, you know, helpful hint for our listeners, if, if, you, if you get something on your camera that looks like, like what we see in this picture or could be a face in a window, it could be an, an anomaly in a hallway – the first thing you should do is look where your light source is because mm-hmm. even in a dark room, you still have a light source. Right. And then trace the image. Is it emanating from that like this? Clearly, you can see the light source in the upper corner where the sun's going down. Mm-hmm. And it's almost perfectly lined up with that. So it's like you're saying, because where the, the sun is, the two clouds are, and then the water vapor, it's just the perfect alignment yes. to create this anomaly. And sunsets are real pretty, but they also they also create very pretty images that you wouldn't be able to explain. And it, it yes. is because those light rays bounce through water vapor in unexplainable ways. It, yeah. it, water is a prism, and it bounces light around in ways that you know are beautiful. It's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. The, the the Earth is an amazing gift. Yes, it is. Um, and we get amazing light shows every night. So, yeah. um, 
you know, it's nice to, you know, with the uh, Northern Lights and, and things like that, you, you get to you get to enjoy a lot of things that that are uh, light shows that Mother Earth provides and, and the celestial heavens provide as well. Um, but sometimes you just have to look at it and sometimes you just can't say UFO um, because it's not. It's, it's right. just simply a, an effect that happens naturally here on Earth. So Yeah. yeah. And and. You and I both believe there's aliens out there. We're just this picture is not a picture no, of it. Not. This is a it's not a water anomaly. We'll post it so you can look at it and and see for yourself what is exactly not a UFO. Uh, yeah, and, and our listeners, when you look at the picture, like like we're saying, look at it, it's a perfect line between the sun, the light source, and the two clouds. So you'll boom right there. You can see it. That's right. Let's move on. A mysterious jellyfish UFO is filmed floating over a U.S. military base. The object, which was only visible using thermal imaging cameras, seemed to have appendages dangling from its underside. I think we've all been at that point in our life sometime, uh, Bruiser. We were <laughs> caught with our appendages dangling uh, in public. Uh, sure, it's a little embarrassing at first, but after a while, you just don't care. Nope. You just let it dangle and walk away. That's right. That's right. Uh, over the, life, the, the image you're describing, though, reminds me of War of the Worlds, because that's how they were in War of the Worlds. That's true. They were. They were. Uh, over the last few years, we've been hearing an increasing number of accounts from U.S. military personnel of UAPs encountered both in the United States and abroad. The latest video, which comes courtesy of UFO researcher Jeremy Corbell, shows what, what, what has been described as a jellyfish UFO, which was filmed over a U.S. military base using thermal imaging. It goes over a body of water, said Corbell. I'm told it stops on a dime, descends stiff into the water, and for 17 minutes, nothing. And boom, this thing comes out of the water and shoots off at 45 degrees. Corbell, who is an investigative journalist and filmmaker, maintained that the footage was likely to be authentic due to the risks taken by his sources in getting it to him. He also claimed that in 2018, troops were instructed to hunt down the object. Since the video emerged, a former intelligence analyst with the U.S., Marine Corps' Michael Konkoski uh, has also come forward to claim that U.S. troops have been hounded by the object in Iraq for years. Wow. Yeah. It kind of just ended up being like the ghost story of the base, he told News Nation. It didn't seem to be posturing to threaten us at all, which is interesting. It just hovered. Yeah, it's very interesting. Is it sitting there? Yeah. Some of the Marines were tasked to try to find it on night vision. They were looking for it with their other sensors and everything else that we had. It's a it's a interesting video. You know, I don't normally post multiple stories in a week, but you got to see this video, folks. I'm going to post this one as well. Okay. Um, of this this jellyfish video because it is so unusual. Yeah. And it's it's verified marine video, so you can see this video as well in the in the description of the show. Just click on the video and decide for yourself what what this thing is. Well, I think it makes it plausible is they sent out forces to go find this thing. Yeah, it was it was alarming enough where they need to investigate it. Now here here's a still photo, and this is just a very small photo. So. But the I'm just showing Bruiser real quick as we're as we're talking, but that's just a photo of it kind of you know skimming across the sand. Yeah. But you'll see the whole video online. So. Yeah, that's that's intense. Yeah, it is. So, 
uh, yeah. So check it out yourself. It's in the description of this uh, description of this podcast, so you can check it out there. Oh, Bruiser, those cake aliens are back in the news <laughs> from All Mexico. Right. Yeah, did you get a slice, by the way? I, I got a slice. It was delicious. What flavor was it? Oh, it was a wonderful vanilla. Mm. You got to love the white cake. I mean, was, nothing wrong with was, the marble, but... Yeah. No, nothing, nothing. Uh, this was vanilla with a good buttercream <gasps> frosting. You got to love the buttercream. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's so good. So good. The mystery Mexican aliens have three reproduction eggs not of Earth's evolution chain. They won't give up the eggs they found inside it, though. <laughs> I think the eggs were just Cadbury eggs, weren't they? Uh Two alien-like mystery figures displayed in Mexico contain three eggs that are not of Earth's evolution chain, it's been claimed. In October of 2023, Mexican journalist Jose Jaime Masson caught the attention of alien watchers around the world when he showed two boxes with supposed mummies from Peru to the country's Congress. The items have reportedly been seized by customs authorities, probably because he snuck them out. Mr. <laughs> Masson claimed that they were non-human beings that are not part of our terrestrial evolution, returning later to the chamber with Peruvian doctors to talk for over three hours about the supposedly non-human beings. Now, in an update... A Mexican official has made another eyebrow-raising claim as to what's inside the alien creatures. And no, it's not a chocolate nougat or even more buttercream, Bruiser. <laughs> uh, what's inside those cute little aliens uh, is, according to a man known only as J. Alberto, who is an assistant to two government secretaries in Mexico, well, he, he took to X to share a video of the aliens in a glass case. He wrote, half the U.S. came to CDMX to capture the biological evidence at hashtag Nazca with three rep reproduction eggs. It, supposedly, that's what's inside these things. Really? Yeah. Okay, but they, they won't let anybody see the eggs. Well, yeah, I think you got to cut them open. They just they took some pictures of these things. And oh, so the x-rays and the ultrasounds. Yeah. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, based on 13 scientific testimonies before the Congress of Mexico, it does not belong to the evolutionary chain of the Earth. However, one expert has said they, the three-fingered figures are actually dolls made from animal bones. Forensic archaeologist Flavio Estrada, which is going to be my porn name if I ever go into the business. <laughs> That's an amazing name. It is. It really is. Uh, who led the analysis, dismissed beliefs that the figures came from an alien center or come from another planet, all of which are totally false. He explained to reporters, the conclusion is simple. They are dolls assembled from the bones of animals from this planet with modern synthetic glues. Therefore, they were not assembled during pre-Hispanic times. They are not extraterrestrials. They are not aliens. The prosecutor's office has not yet determined who owns the objects. A report by the Peruvian prosecutor's office in 2017, meanwhile, stated that the so-called alien bodies were simply recently manufactured dolls, which have been covered with a mixture of paper and synthetic glue to simulate the presence of skin. They are not the remains of ancestral aliens that they have tried to present. Officials only stated that a Mexican citizen was the intended recipient of the objects before they were seized by custom, customs agents in October. So, Bruiser... Cake, aliens, or animal bones? You play the game. <laughs> I'm still going with cake. They still look like cake. They are weird looking. Um, and they do look like they may be 
they don't look like they'd be de decrepit mummies. No, they don't. No, no. Yeah. They, they, there's something that's for sure. They're definitely a conversation piece. They are. I wouldn't put them in my, in my living room. I know that. No, God, no, no, no. no. My guests would eat them. <laughs> well, it's cake. only if you put birthday candles in their eyes and nose. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, would you eat that? I don't know. Look, it, it, here's, here's the picture again. If, if you had that on the, on the table and you put candles in it and saying happy birthday, would you really cut that open? No. No, it's not appetizing at all. I didn't think you would. That picture, except that's a different picture than I normally see. That looks like a statue. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it looks almost... like it's made out of like um, ebony. Like an ebony statue and it's covered with sand. To me, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, if you look at it, it looks like somebody did a really crappy job of pouring concrete. Yeah. 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 Isn't it? Yep. It, looks, it, it just looks like somebody poured a concrete mold. Like, why don't they clean it off? Like, you can clearly see there's sand and stuff on it. <laughs> well, because you'll 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 destroy the integrity of the actual. Yeah, but get like an archaeologist who's used to working with millions of year old bones, and they use their little toothbrushes and dental tools to scrape that crap off. Well, I think because they're they're afraid they'll again they'll they'll destroy the integrity of what they have there. I think they're okay. they're they're trying to. They're trying to preserve what they have because they're going to do more testing on it. Yeah, I just that's where it brings up my red flag goes up is why wouldn't you hire an archaeologist to come in and clean it up? I'm talking like museum quality archaeologists, like because it's like you go to a museum and you see bones that have been, you know, T Rex has been dead for. 65 million years you know what i mean and then you go and you see his bones and they're beautiful i'm sure they could do that with this maybe or those maybe, are gonna be just as fragile maybe there's not enough integrity to the structure to clean it up you know i mean yeah. you don't you don't see like king tut cleaned up well yeah but he's cleaner than that he doesn't have sand all over him <laughs> take a vacuum do it at least no 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 you don't take a vacuum do it <laughs> Like yeah. every mummy I've seen is clean, doesn't have sand on it. You yeah. know, their sarcophagus and their 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 bodies like they don't have sand on it. Their linens are they're somewhat clean, well, I'm but sure. like that is literally sand. Like it's laying in sand. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm sure they rushed to get it to press. I'm sure too. But now yeah. that we've had some time, and we're we're starting to X-ray them and and see the eggs and all that, like now you bring in Indiana Jones to clean that thing off. You know, <laughs> you think Harrison Ford would take time off to come clean the thing off? Well, I know he would. He'd put the hat on. He'd have a whip. That way, no <laughs> one can steal it while he's there. <laughs> well, uh, well. well, well. We'll come back to this. I, 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 I don't know if, you know, you've been dead for centuries. I don't know if, it, if it's necessary you'd be clean, uh, you know. I would like to be clean if they're going to display me to the world. Okay. We'll make a note if, of it. We'll, we'll put it if in you your have, If I die, you guys have to exhume me. Mm -hmm. Just clean off the dirt. You oh, know? Okay. Cobwebs are fine. You know what I mean? With the dirt. Like, there's dirt underneath the guy's head. Like, pick him up for a second and vacuum. Take a dust buster and just vacuum. Vacuum dust buster. Well, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it just? In this day and age, we can hermetically seal ourselves like a like a one of those Carson envelopes under Funkin' Wagnall's porch. You don't necessarily need to be dust bustered, buddy. <laughs> We can we can we can seal you up and and you'll be fine. There, we won't e there won't even be a critter near you. 
Okay. Okay. So yeah, you can talking pay for with that. these guys. Like we no, got so much advanced stuff. Let's let's clean these guys up. Let's get them ready to to show the public. Okay. Well, maybe they don't care. They're aliens. Maybe. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying that way we can see if. Okay, so if you start cleaning <laughs> it off, and something happens, like oh, this is an animal bone. This isn't an alien bone. This is a this is the femur of a, 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 a chupacabra. Like here we go. Maybe dirt was sexy in their culture. <laughs> maybe. Maybe it maybe. was. Maybe it was like us wearing a bikini. Or, <laughs> sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Yes. And as, astronomers have discovered a new planet that may hold the secret on how the Earth was actually formed. The new planetary system was discovered around the star HD 88986. I hope you got a pencil and you're writing this down, uh, which has a similar temperature to the sun with a slightly larger radius. Okay, is this where planet X would be then? It's a good question. Now I'm still not quite sure. Yeah. Maybe. Well, maybe the article tells us. Maybe. Uh, the small, cold exoplanet circulates a star which can be seen from our planet, maybe it is planet X, with a similar temperature to our own sun and which would shed light on how the Earth was formed. A team of international researchers from across the globe made the discovery, which was extremely rare because the exoplanet is both smaller and lighter than Neptune and, of course, Uranus. So there you go. <laughs> A lot of things are lighter than my or Uranus. Well, yeah. you know, that, there's a lot of weight behind Uranus. I'll just say that. Oh, yeah, there is. Uh, the star system where the planet is located also has an outer large companion and 100 times the mass of Jupiter. But how much more masses are behind Uranus? <laughs> the uh, new planetary system was discovered around the star HD 88986. It has a similar temperature to the sun, albeit with a slightly larger radius. The star is so bright. How bright is it? Well, it's so bright that it can be seen by eager observers at dark sky sites nationwide. You ever been to a dark sky site, Bruiser? <laughs> I try to avoid those. <laughs> I do too. They always require that you bring in fives and ones, and they always want you to tip with 20s. And I don't know. Yeah, yeah. When you throw quarters at them, they get mad at you. <laughs> they do. And they never pick up the ping pong balls the way they want you to. I oh, I know. Mm. The reason, and you know what? The Uranus jokes don't hit as well there either. They don't, no. They don't land really well there. No. The researchers from 31 scientific institutes across nine countries, including Switzerland, Chile, the U.S., the U.K., and France, found the planetary system around the star to include a cold planet similar to Neptune, HD 88986b. <laughs> I'm glad they're labeling them HD because now we have HD cameras. So yeah, I, and the, the fact that we've run out of numbers and, and letters, and now we've got to put subsets on them, like B. <laughs> At uh, least we don't have a half yet. Here's eight eight nine and a half. <laughs> yeah, eight eight uh, HD eight eight nine eight six B and a half. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Nita Haidari, an Iranian fellow at the Institut d'Astrophysique de Paris. Ooh, fancy. Ooh, doesn't that sound continental? Uh, who leads the new study, explained that HD 
88986b takes a particularly long time to orbit its sun. She said, most of the planets we've discovered and measured for their mass and radius have short orbits, typically less than 40 days, just in case you were asking. Uh, to provide a comparison with our solar system, even Mercury, the closest planet to the sun, takes 88 days to complete its orbit. This lack of detection for planets with longer orbits raises challenges in understanding how planets form and evolve in other systems and even our solar system. So there you go. So basically we have a, we're bigger. <laughs> our sun's bigger. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Our you got sun it. can kick their sun's ass. <laughs> See, you just wrapped it up nicely in a nice little package there. There you go. Um, meanwhile, another exoplanet may be rich in water. Oh, Okay. We're finding more and more planets with these big old telescopes. And uh, here's, here's the thing, though, Bruiser. Why are we searching out so many planets that can house life? What are we doing to this one that's so bad? I'm curious about that, too. What is the need for us to go find another planet to live on? Yeah. Like, do we have a Battlestar Galactica situation going on here? Like, are we going to have to jump on a ship to survive? Like, what's going on? Have we given robots too much power? That's what it is. Hmm. A nearby exoplanet may be rich in life-giving water, according to a study, as I throw my iPad around in anger, <laughs> much like a monkey. <laughs> uh, if it's confirmed in the future, that would be the first indirect detection of liquid water on an exoplanet. Really? Yeah. Okay, and where there's water, there's life. That's right. An exoplanet orbiting a small star some 50 light years away from the Earth may be a life-friendly water world. A new study is revealed, and the James Webb Space Telescope could determine if that is indeed the case. The planet in question called, another great name, LHS-1140B. I think we're playing bingo with the exoplanets now. Is what it is. Uh, orbits in the habitable zone of a small dim star called LHS-1140 that lies in the constellation Cetus. The exoplanet was discovered in 2017 and has been observed by multiple telescopes since. These observations first convinced researchers that LHS-1140b is a rocky planet about 1.7 times wider than Earth, but new analysis of all available observations has shown that LHS-1140b is not dense enough to be purely rocky and must contain much more water than Earth, or possess an extensive atmosphere full of light elements such as hydrogen and helium. Researchers can't tell yet uh, which of the two options is correct, but the James Webb Space Telescope might be able to find out in the coming years. If LHS-1140b is a water world, then the planet is set to become the number one target in the search for life outside our solar system. Okay. Now... Can that the telescope? It can't take readings of gases and stuff, right? It's just the telescope takes pictures and they can zoom in and do what they got to do, right? I'm not quite sure because I'm a little curious as why they say they want to do more research with it. Like I can understand zooming in, but you're gonna have to actually send something there. I'm assuming to take gases and because that's the way to do it at Mars, correct? We had actually yeah, sent rovers the, there. The full article is at space.com and it, it goes more into what the actual uh, okay. research can do. So, yep. yeah. But, but yeah, I, I believe the space telescope does more than just take pictures. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. 
Uh, I tell you what, folks, when we come back, Nightmare Fuel, your uh, your AI is now writing letters for you, which you may think is a, a good thing, but we're just that's just the light work we're doing today. I'm in love with AI. That's the other part of the the uh, the nightmare today. We're going to talk <laughs> about sexually harassing your robot. That's coming up a little bit later in the program. Also, we're going to get into some scary stuff. The Lady in Black, the story of a Russian ghost, is coming up later in the program. And, of course, we're ending with a strange stripper in today's program. And we've got Ziggy's Picks. All right. That's coming up later in the program. And we've got Parachute. So, nice. that is the program. You're listening to Supernatural News and Parisher on a Wednesday with the Cruiser and the Bruiser right here on Darkness Radio. Welcome back to the second half of Supernatural News and Parish here. It's a cruiser and a brother here on Wednesday. It's really chilly in the Twin Cities. It's minus three degrees, but we're heating it up here in the Twin Cities with a rock block. We got Boston. We got the Rolling Stones. We got Van Halen. We're heated up for you on a Wednesday. And of course, if we're doing that, we're bringing that mare for you. We're bringing it in. A little bit of robot action. <laughs> you know, I may bring the doom and gloom every week, but there may be a good a good reason to have AI around. Uh, I haven't heard it yet, so have I have I changed my ways? I hope not. Uh, maybe. I, you know, I came across this uh, this article from NBC News that AI is. Now gonna handwrite letters for us. See, now I'm worried about that. They're gonna handwrite letters, so basically anybody gets a letter is gonna think I'm racist and hate people. <laughs> and I'm not. No, no, it's, no, I, it's yeah. gonna be like it's gonna totally get it wrong. You hear about the George Carlin AI and how bad it is? Oh yeah, oh yeah, it'll it'll say the seven deadly at you and. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it's horrible. The stand-up is horrible. And George Carlin's one of the best stand-up comedians. Oh, ever. you're serious? There's a George. Yeah. Car- there's a George Carlin like. Yeah, you can look up George Carlin AI stand-up, and it's terrible. Really? Yeah. I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah, well, it's so bad that his daughter went on on Twitter X or whatever, and like said, "This is terrible. My father was not like like she defends her father." Seriously? Yeah. Oh my god, I'll have to look that up. <laughs> it's horrible. I'm being prepared. It's not the George Carlin that you know. Because, you know, the, the Bobby the Brain Heenan stuff is, is genius. Yeah, the the Gorilla and Bobby podcast is fun. That's why I'm like, oh, George Carlin, he's amazing. Let's see what he's got to say. And it's terrible. Ah, that's that's too bad. Well, let's uh, let's uh, tune in here to, to NBC News for a couple minutes and find out how AI and robots are going to handwrite letters for us, shall we? Let's do it now. Artificial intelligence is taking center stage at the Consumer Electronics Show. From robots to new health tools, the largest tech roadshow in the world is giving us a glimpse into the future. But one of the newest innovations of artificial intelligence is going old school. 
Meet Handwritten, a robot that literally puts pen to paper. So Handwritten is trying to bring back the lost art of handwritten correspondence through robots and AI. A 2021 poll found that over half of Americans haven't sent a handwritten letter in the last five years. But now a robot making snail mail is just as easy to write and send as email. And it's not just for thank you cards. Businesses can use it too. They're trying to figure out ways to maximize their back and forth with existing clients and donors. These robots hold real pens to write out notes in the handwriting style of your choice, including on the envelope. You can choose what font you'd like, even your own handwriting that can be developed in just one week. We would then have you fill out basically a kindergartner's workbook and have you <laughs> write... Really? Have you write A four times and B, as well as ligature combinations. So okay. two O's together, two L's together. Do you cross two T's with one crossbar or two? How do you dot your I's? All of that goes into creating your handwriting. This AI robot seems to make everything perfect. So we jitter the lines, we change the line spacing. All that is um, just good programming. So wait, wait, the AI literally builds in imperfections. Builds in imperfections, <laughs> yep. Handwritten says that data is encrypted, meaning that if you do choose your handwriting, it's protected from any potential hackers. The company says their goal is to make writing and sending notes accessible and intriguing for all generations. People are getting between one and three handwritten pieces of mail a month compared to hundreds of emails a day. So, um, I think people of all generations uh, appreciate that. At the biggest tech show in the world, an innovation that could bring back old traditions. Is there irony there, though, that people are, are here, like, desperately mining for the next big thing? Uh, and the next big thing might be a handwritten note. <laughs> yeah. Of course, yes. What's old is new again. Steve Patterson, NBC News, Las Vegas. So there you go, making us stupid through AI. Why don't we just handwrite the note? <laughs> and they say that they're going to make it so hackers can't hack it, but the hacker's going to find out how. And you're going to get a handwritten note cussing you out that you think is from a friend, and it's not. It's just a hacker having a good time. That's right. Or a ransom note. Oh, yeah. In or, your handwriting. Right. Ooh. Or a suicide note. Yep. I, I, well, on Dumb Crimes Stupid Criminals yesterday, we had the guy... Write the suicide note to try to get out of getting caught, making everybody think that he's dead. That's right. With AI now, you can be four countries away mm -hmm. and have AI write you a note and deliver it from somewhere else. So it's postmarked somewhere else. You're gone. Yeah. It's, we, we come up with such supposed great ideas for technology. Yeah. And in the minute you can come up with a great idea, you can also come up with a way to abuse it. It's just unfortunate. Just write the note yourself. Yeah. It takes 10 minutes. And there's there's ways to forensically prove that you did it. Yeah. So that you're in the clear if someone tries to abuse it. I have, I have notes from my parents saved because when they pass away, I'm going to take some of those letters, some of their handwriting, mm -hmm. and get it tattooed on me. So that way I'll always have their handwriting on me. There you go. I don't want an AI bot writing a note from my parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. Right. And, and there's, there's no feeling behind it. Like, Oh, Hey, I got your handwritten note. Oh yeah. I had a robot write that. I don't have time. Yeah. Like, wait, you don't have time to write me a note. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it's so unfeeling and uncaring. I get the idea that, that, you know, people are, people are wanting to 
put feeling and caring into it and they're wanting to save time. But the fact of the matter is, is the reason you sit down and handwrite a note is because you're putting your time and energy and feeling into it. Yep. You're trying to show somebody that it's coming from you. So, and and it, he said there, like, you're getting hundreds of emails a day, which is right. But think how much it brightens your day when you get that one handwritten Christmas card or that handwritten, you know, oh, I miss you note. Or even a handwritten thank you note from somebody for attending their, their wedding or something. Like, after we got back from Andy and Hunter's wedding and we got the thank you note, inside was a handwritten letter from both of them. And that was very like to me it was like oh this is awesome like yeah you know what i mean they shared the little antidote that we the little inside jokes that we have and, and it was like oh you know and, yeah. and now we have it displayed because it's it, it it brings back a good time a good memory yeah yeah and, and it shows true appreciation from our friends if that would have come from a robot yeah a, they don't know the inside jokes that we all have well, even if you if you translate to a robot and then it's written out, it it doesn't feel as genuine. Exactly. Yeah. yeah so and you're translating anyways. Just write it down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just write it down. Take just take the time to take pen to paper and write it down. Don't don't yeah. don't put it into a program that's going to write it out. That's just stupid. All right, hold your breath, and uh, at the same time, get ready to sexually harass your robot coworker kids. <laughs> This seems like a guy thing, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. You knew that when AI was coming out that porn would somehow be involved in sex and all that, so. I don't know if we're ready for this story, Bruiser, but let's do it anyways. An AI bot is facing harassment at work as multiple men spotted asking it on a date due to a female name. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you knew it had to happen. Yeah. As a... Uh, Quite a few female friends of mine would say, if it's got a dick, it'll want to try to stick it in you. Hey, it took us nine months to get out and the rest of our lives to get right back in. That's right. A woman has revealed her horror at having to change the name of an AI bot she uses at work because colleagues keep asking it on dates. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> the revelation was made in a comment on Allison Green's Ask a Manager blog. You know what? If AI is going to fuck us eventually, we should fuck it. That's, a, that's all I have to say there. <laughs> the comment was in response to a query written by a reader about the correct treatment of bots in the workplace. <laughs> is there such a thing? Gosh. <laughs> they have to make a whole new HR program <laughs> where you can't sexually harass your robot. Right, right. Yeah, and you know, what's proper, what's proper speech to a bot, how do you properly <laughs> approach it, is touch appropriate. Uh, a reader wrote in with the problem, men are hitting on my scheduling bot because it has a woman's name. A scheduling bot, Bruiser. So you're going to tell me that the AI revolution is going to happen because a bot got offended because it got asked <laughs> out one too many times. So it needs to annihilate the human race. <laughs> just the men. Yep. Just the men. The men touched this whole thing off. They continued. It has a female name, which was the default. and does not announce that it is a bot, though I don't think it's hard to tell. It gives, us, <laughs> it gives a standard salutation and signs off with thank you. And then the bot name. So it's like, you know, it'd be like saying thanks, Alyssa, yeah. right? Let's just say the bot's name's Alyssa, okay? 
All it does is schedule meetings. And it's not nearly to the level of an AI chat bot or anything. So it's not like it's like, thanks, hon. Thanks, baby. Thanks, sweetie. Or anything like that. It How many says, guys have been stood up by this bot going, hey, uh, I'd like to schedule a dinner date. I can do Thursday at 5. Okay, baby, I'll see you then. And Thursday at yeah. 5 shows up, and the guy's like, where's Alyssa? She said to be here at 5. I'm here at 5. Where is she? You know, it's like, come on, it's a bot. <laughs> despite, yeah. despite the bot just sending out generic scheduling emails, it has received some shocking responses. Oh, so it's through email, too. It's not even a vocal bot. Right. Oh, my gosh. It's probably getting dick pics, too. <laughs> probably. According to the blog. Hey, baby, you type really sexy. <laughs> you want to see something? <laughs> Let me show you. Hey, click on this. You got some nice letters there. You want to ABC my cock? <laughs> According to the blog reader reaching out for help, several men have been responding to the bot and asking it out on dates. The bot was sent date invitation from work emails as well as an out-of-hours personal email. It's noted by the query writer that this behavior would be inappropriate if it were happening to a human. This then raised the question of how robots should be treated at work. <laughs> the reader concluded, obviously the bot doesn't have opinions about the issue, but if one of my employees was asking out women after a very basic scheduling email with absolutely no personal content, I'd probably want to know about it so I could address it because it's probably happening to real human assistants as well. Green responded with both amusement and shock. She, she suggested changing the name of the bot to a male one. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily stop the harassment, though. No, no, it, it, men can get harassed, too. That's right. This was echoed by another reader who replied in the comments. Going by the name Miss Kitty, they wrote, oh my God, I have to change my name to Mark when I submit IT support tickets or post to tech forums. Jeez. Those nerds are, they want it. <laughs> right? She says, it's ridiculous that I can't just be myself and do my own dang job. I've been having to do this since the early 2000s when I started my career, and I'm sad that 20 years later, it's still a thing I have to deal with. That's sad. That is very sad. That's That shows how crappy our system is. You know what I mean? That we treat women that way. Yeah. Yeah, That indeed. Uh, it, but still, hitting on a bot... Yeah, you got it through email. Like, you don't know what this part this, if it is. You don't know. First of all, you don't know if it's human. Second of all, you don't know what it looks like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But just, you know, I mean, just be professional. These tech guys got to get out more. Go to Tinder, guys. Come on, just swipe. That's right. That's right. Take it Take it somewhere appropriate and, and do, <laughs> do what you need to do there. I can't tell you how many... How many people I deal with on a professional basis every single week? I've never once been like, hey, you got a book for me. I got a book for you. <laughs> never. Yeah. On all my emails, it's very, I get yelled at sometimes from Mrs. Bruiser because they're not, you know, they're too professional. It's like, okay. Yeah. You know, like it's business. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. yeah. It's business. Yeah. It yeah. just, it's never occurred to me to, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I mean, even, even, um, 
Especially with the scheduling. Like, I've never had my doctor's office call me and go, you know, Mr. Bruiser, we'd like, you know, we got to schedule this appointment. You know, are you looking at a Tuesday at 8.40 a.m.? Like, be like, yeah, I can come in. What are you doing at Tuesday yeah. at 9.40 p.m.? I'm like, just yeah. laying here naked in bed at that time. Hey, no, it's now never that I'm scheduled up. to come yeah. in and get a colonoscopy, how about we uh, talk about some dinner and drinks? You know, it's yeah. stupid. Yeah, yeah. I think the most personal I got with anybody professionally is I talked with one true crime uh, author about my chipmunks. Yeah. They, Cause they thought it was just the greatest thing. So we, we correspond about my chipmunks. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I had I to take a dirty turn. Did it? No, no, I didn't. No, no. Going like, hey, my, my chipmunks eat these nuts, but how about <laughs> <laughs> they like to burrow in and out of holes. Speaking of burrowing in and out of holes, you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> I got to give myself uh, one of these. Yeah. Hey, burrowing in and out of holes. <laughs> let's change the subject, shall we? Um, yes. Uh, speaking of animals, uh, let's talk about bats, shall we? In a biblical plague of bats that forced a town into a lockdown as locals are terrified of leaving their homes. I would be too. Like, I love bats, but you get a swarm of those things. It can be terrifying. I tell you, when, when I was in college down at Winona, they... The town was so full of bats. Like when the when the sun would go down, you didn't dare walk under a tree. Okay. Like it, it was it was almost like you were walking in the bat cave. I mean, they oh, just nice. you'd get that kind of swarm of bats coming out of trees. Yeah. I mean, they're harmless, and you learn that. But if if I mean, they get in your home very easily down there. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. We have to get them checked because we have in our attic we have two openings to the outside, but they're, they're grates and screens on them. But every year we got to check the screens, make sure there's no holes and stuff because bats will yeah, yeah. come and roost. Yeah. When I was a kid, we used to play at uh, all our baseball tournaments were at, we call it haha field, but it was the heartland athletic, whatever field. Mm-hmm. And we do all our tournaments and you know how baseball tournaments are. You have, you have a nephew and stuff They're They're all day and they go into the night. Oh yeah. But once nighttime would come, you would see the bats hovering above the stadium because the lights were on. So that's where all the moths and mosquitoes and all that were. And you'd see, you could watch the bats coming and, and flying. And it, the first tournament I ever did, I was scary. Cause it's like, whoa, what, you know, you don't, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But after a while you're like, okay, they're just doing their thing. We're going to do our thing. Let's not hit them with a baseball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're there to feed. They're there to feed. Yeah. Uh, residents of a town were so scared by a bat tornado that they didn't want to take their children to school in the local hospital's Air Ambulance was grounded in Ingham, Australia. Okay. Yeah. Terrified locals in a town in Australia were forced to stay indoors, and even the hospital's Air Ambulance uh, was grounded after thousands of bats took over the skies. A biblical swarm of bats in Ingham, Australia, that's, that's in quotes, biblical swarm, left residents in a lockdown situation, scared to leave their homes and refusing to take their children to school. The bat tornado was so horribly intense that the local hospital's air ambulance was grounded because they made it impossible and too dangerous to take to the air. The flying animals took over the town in North Queensland, but they are a protected species, so very little could be done. Actually, I've got a picture here to show you, Bruiser. When they say bat tornado, they aren't kidding. Take a look at that. Oh, wow. That's a lot. Yeah. That's that's freakish. Yeah. Um, 
there were an estimated 300,000 of the winged mammals taking up residence in trees and soaring through the skies, which meant bats outnumbered residents of the town. When the terrifying act of nature occurred in 2020, Mayor of Hinchinbrook uh, Council Ramon Jao told news magazine show A Current Affair, it just seems to me that every bat in Australia is now in Ingham. There's four different species, and because they all have young at different times, there's hardly a window of opportunity where they can or where we can interact with these bats to try and move them on. Uh, but outspoken local politician Bob Catter told the program if it was up to him, he'd be down here with a shotgun. Well, that's the wrong attitude to have. That towards is. It. Yeah. Uh, he said, there comes a point where I think not breaking the law really becomes dogging it, as we say in North Queensland. And I think that point has probably been reached. President of the Ingham's Chamber of Commerce, Rachel Coco, added at the time, if this was happening at Parliament House, somebody would have come up with a solution by now. He said that tourism in the area has taken a dramatic hit since the bats have arrived. Trees around one primary school were full of the upside-down fruit bats, with many parents refusing to send their children to school until they were gone. Mom Suzanne Carilla uh, added, they're not stepping a foot on that ground until something is being done. So an area of Australia, Ingham, being overrun by bats. I, I could see being terrified, too, if they're fruit bats, because fruit bats are huge. Yeah. But yeah. completely harmless, hence the name fruit bat. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they're just kind of there doing their thing. Yeah, is what they're doing. But that is a lot. I would I would be scared because <laughs> you just don't expect that. Right. Right. That's for sure. Our next story has to do with an ancient Egyptian mummy, their masks, tombs and a god of silence statue that was discovered at Saqqara. Archaeologists in Egypt unearthed tombs containing mummy masks and a god of silence statue at Saqqara recently. Uh, the series of tombs dating from about 1800 to 4,800 years ago in Saqqara, uh, some of which contain colorful mummy masks and even the childlike statue of the God of Silence, according to the I Egyptian Ministry of Tourism and Antiquities. The colorful mummy masks, which would have been worn by the dead, probably date to the Roman period of 29 BC to AD 641, according to Nozumo Kawai, who is the director of the Institute of the Study of Ancient Civilizations and Cultural Resources at Kanazawa University in Japan, who led the excavations. The archaeologists also found a small statue showing Harpocrates, uh, a Greek god that looks like a child who is associated with silence, riding a goose. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that geese in Egypt. Okay. Yeah, there you go. The goose represents an evil spirit over which the divine child triumphs. Are they Canadian geese? That's a good question. I, I I wouldn't think the Egyptians would think Canadians were evil, but, <laughs> you know, I didn't even know the two cultures mixed way back then, but <laughs> who knows? Uh, Kawhi told that to Live Science in an email. I think it's kind of a funny image, to be honest with you. I don't know how do you determine that as evil, but, you know, a child riding a goose. I just think it's a fun image, but that's just me. You've obviously never had a goose chase you. No, I have. Actually, my sister had a goose, a goose chaser, and I had to chase the goose off. <laughs> See, they're evil. It's a funny little story. Uh, the team also found a stela, or a carved stone slab, with writing that states it belongs to a man named Heroides. 
Kauai said. Kauai and his colleagues originally found some of the burials at the site in northern Saqqara, including the tomb of a worthy woman named Demetria, uh, depicted in a carving with her pet in 2019. But the COVID-19 pandemic meant the archaeologists had to suspend their work. When they returned in 2023, they unearthed a number of additional tombs and artifacts. The area we are excavating is the eastern escarpment of the northern Saqqara Plateau, Kauai said. As far as we have excavated there, the oldest tombs belong to the Second Dynasty, or to about 4,800 years ago. They also found tombs dating to the 18th dynasty, circa 1550 and 1295 BC, the late period, circa 712 to 332 BC, as well as more tombs and artifacts dating back to the Ptolemaic and Roman times. Interesting stuff. Very interesting. I love all that old Egypt stuff and the mummies and the mythology and all that. So fun. Yeah, so they're uh, excavating more stuff over there in uh, Saqqara. Let's move on. We've got an interesting, we're going to get into some ghost stories here now. And this this first story has to do, you know what? I'm wondering, uh, should we do Parashare here or should we get into this ghost story? Well, let's do some Parashare here. Yeah, let's let's get into the uh, Parashare. Yeah, we'll, we'll start it off with that and then we'll get into some spooky ghost stories. All right. Um, this Parashare story we have comes from a listener named Kenneth. Uh, and Kenneth didn't really have a preamble here. There was no dear cruiser and bruiser. He just submitted some stories he has from the Burlington Inn in Alma, Wisconsin. I've been there. And I used to do radio in that area. area. <laughs> yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, I've been to the Burlington Inn numerous times. So this is his third visit to the Burlington Inn. He said there are eight of us staying in the inn at this time. The restaurant is no longer making food. The hotel and bar are still operating. The owner believes this is due to the bad luck the place has endured because of the energies. The owner has moved out of the apartment they occupied on the second floor. They've had a medium go through the place, and at one time she felt that something tried to push her down a flight of stairs. The medium also believes that she may have found the portal that is bringing through an abundance of energies. The owner has given us total access to investigate the place and has shut down everything. Our parties, our party is the only ones staying at the hotel this night. And he puts in a note here, stupidity. Okay, you sons of bitches, you know who I am. I am ready for anything you throw at me. Oh, he's taunting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Ten minutes later, I asked my wife to discreetly lift my shirt as my back feels like it's on fire. Sure enough, two scratches cover my back from shoulder to belt line. In spots, a little blood is drawn. Well, that's what you get when you taunt. Exactly. Yeah. And, and there you don't need to taunt. You can you can get stuff. We got some interesting EVPs there. So There you go. This happened well in a group of eight, and no one has left the table while we were making plans for the night. This note is about a portal that's there at, uh, at the Burlington Inn. There are four of us sitting around the portal doing ghost stuff. The other four are in the bar area trying to get EVPs. We hear footsteps coming from the upstairs hotel room heading our way. We believe that these footsteps may be someone from the other group. My brother-in-law goes to the door. When he believes the footsteps are by the door, he opens it. I think his mouth is more open than the door because no one is standing there. We're all flabbergasted and can't believe no one is there. Through our session at the portal, a distinct heaviness is felt by our entire group. He talks about the bathroom there. My brother-in-law had to use the bathroom. Upon completion, you could tell something was wrong. We thought he may have pooped himself, but that was not the case. <laughs> he stated that he started having a panic attack and felt that he was being watched. 
all the hairs were standing up on his body, and he vowed not to use that bathroom again in his lifetime. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's pretty serious. I felt the heaviness there, but I've never had that. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of spots in there that you feel like you're being watched, and it's not a good watch. No, not, not, not at all. And finally, the mirror. The mirror in the bar area was huge. A member of the other group stated that she was looking into the mirror and could swear someone or something was looking back at her. She was genuinely, genuinely out of sorts immediately after this incident. We tried to duplicate this, but the only thing we saw were three amateur ghost investigators staring back. They were living <laughs> beings who, nonetheless, were kind of scary. We all went to bed for the night, and no further activity was reported. Yeah, we've had... I forget, my buddy debunked the mirror. Um, it's just the way it's made and the way it's hung behind the bar. Um, you get a lot of the, what is that called? Um, I'm blanking on the word. Where you get like a multiple images if you look at a certain angle. Ah, yes. So it, look, so it looks like someone's sitting there with you. Yes, yep. But uh, I've had the uneasy feeling. We've got a lot of really good EVPs. Okay. Yeah. That's the first time I heard about a portal, though. That's that's new to me. So next time I go visit back in Wisconsin, because I want to go back and that's one of my places to visit or uh, investigate. I want to ask about this portal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to thank Kenneth for that uh, for the, yeah. those notes from uh, from the Burlington Inn for uh, in investigating that. If you have a parashare story for us, it's real simple. You can either write it down, send it to me at tim at darknessradio.com. If you want to tell us in your own world words and we can play your lovely voice here on the air, you just go to our, our website, darknessradioshow.com. There's a blue button on the right-hand side. Click on that blue button. You have two minutes to leave a voice note. Uh, when you leave that voice note, uh, again, you have that two minutes. If you need more time, you click on that blue button again, leave another two minutes. And we will stitch those together and we'll play your voice note here on the air so we can hear your lovely voice here on the show. That's how that works. So, At the Burlington Inn one time, too, we had um, a glass of water sitting on the table. Mm -hmm. And everyone was sitting there and the glass of water actually moved by itself. And then you could see like a Jurassic Park, like the ripple effects, like someone was walking up to the table. Really? Right before. Yeah, we got it on film. So it looks like right before someone... It looks like someone walked. You, you don't hear the footsteps, but you can see the water glass move. Yeah. And we were just thinking, oh, someone's bumping the table. So we all slid back a bit. And you got to see the little waves, and then the glass moved about an inch wow. on its own. Wow. Yeah, so I'm curious if he ever had any of that happen, too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Kenneth, let us know. Write us back and, and let us yeah. know if you had anything like that happen uh, at that location. Let's move on. Let's go to another ghost story, The Lady in Black, which is the story of a Russian ghost in Alaska, the folklore of the northernmost state of the United States is a treasure trove for paranormal investigators. The mysterious Sitka phenomenon is reported in the 2016 book, Spirits of Southeast Alaska, the history and hauntings of Alaska's panhandle by author James Devereaux. The author drew attention to the urban legend of the former Novo Arkhangelsk associated with the Baranoff Castle. This is the name of the hill in which stood the residence of the first ruler of Russian Alaska, Alexander Baranov. The building itself burned down in a fire back in 1894, 
but stories about the ghost of a Russian princess allegedly appearing in these places arose much earlier. One of the first publications on this topic can be read in the New York Times newspaper dated August 22nd of 1883. The article, The Story of a Ghost in Alaska, talks about a ghost that settled in an abandoned building. The residents of Sitka usually saw the mystical princess at midnight. She was said to wear long black robes and had diamonds on her forehead, neck, and wrists. She wrings her beautiful white hands and wanders sadly from room to room, leaving at every step the light scent of wild roses, the newspaper wrote. Brave officers from warships sometimes dared to spend the night in Baranov's castle, but none of them managed to talk with the ghostly beauty. The lady in black was considered the daughter of the niece of the Russian governor, who was once famous in Sitka for her beauty and grace. The girl was married against her will to an unloved man. On the first wedding night, the bride disappeared. She was soon found dead in a small guest room. According to one version, the girl committed suicide. According to another, she was killed by her unhappy lover, who was a sailor on one of the merchant ships. James Devereux provides in the book the details of the romantic legend he discovered. He describes the groom of the lady in black as a cruel and vicious man who blackmailed the ruler of Alaska, who was involved in a revolutionary conspiracy. Even after the engagement, the beauty continued to secretly meet with her lover on the banks of the Kolashenka River, or the Indian River. When the governor found out about this, he sent the young man along with a naval expedition south along the American coast. On March 18th, the girl was married to the evil prince in the Orthodox Cathedral of the Archangel Michael. On the same day, the warship returned to the harbor. Upon learning of this, the newlywed ran away from the ballroom to meet her lover. Realizing that their situation was hopeless, the couple decided to die. That's a little, <laughs> a little, a little extreme. extreme. Yeah. With one last kiss, they drew their hidden blades, pierced their hearts, and fell dead on the banks of the Indian River, Devereaux writes. The lovers were allegedly buried, locked in each other's arms, and since... Then their spirit, the spirit of the Russian princess began to wander around the Baranov castle. In some versions of the story, it is stated that the girl is holding a candle or lantern in her hands, as if looking for her beloved. A bloody wound was seen on her chest of the dead beauty, and before disappearing, the ghost usually emits a terrible cry of pain. The lady in black, according to folklore, comes every once every six months, preferring the northwestern part of the former Baranoff mansion. So, who was the Lady in Black? Well, there's no historical evidence for the Sitka legend. Rumor connects the Lady in Black with the name of the first ruler of Russia, America, which is Alexander Baranoff. Polar explorer Frederick Svatka distributed the ghost story to the period of the sixth ruler, Baron Ferdinand von Wrangel, who was the master of Sitka in 1830 to 1835, and according to the Boston, Alaska newspaper published in 1906, the bloody drama took place in the spring of 1826, when Alaska was ruled by Matvey Muravyov. <laughs> Easy for me to say. A journalist named Muravyov's niece, Prince or Princess Olga Arb. I got to take my time with this. Arbuzova? Arbuzova. The young midshipsman, Demetrius Davidoff, and the old Count Vasilyev uh, as the characters in the story. However, not a single historian of Russian America 
mentions such persons. There are plenty of other contradictions in the legend itself. For example, from the description, it is not clear why the unfortunate bride is dressed in a black robe because the wedding attire of Russian aristocrats has always been white. Oh, okay. Yeah. So why is she in black? Exactly. However, in some versions of the story, the ghost is called the Lady in Blue. Apparently in the dark, when the spirit appears, it is not easy to make out the color of his clothes. Moreover, in the presence of a ghost, the fire of eyewitnesses mysteriously goes out. The plot of The Lady in Black is influenced by literary tradition, in particular Walter Scott's novel The Bride of Lammermore. Therefore, it is possible that the whole story is a common invention of the yellow press of the late 19th century. But even if this is so, the legend of the beautiful ghost eventually took on a life of its own. For example, the estimated date of death of the Lady in Black, March 18th, is due to the fact that it was on this day in 1894 that the Baranoff Castle burned down. Despite the dubious authenticity of the legend, guides in Sitka still make money from it to this day, showing tourists the supposed grave of the Russian princess. So there you go. Okay. Kind of an interesting little story there. Yeah. I like how I wouldn't take my lover down and pierce our hearts, but. <laughs> yeah. it's Well, you know, there's the, you know, the, the old Romeo and Juliet tome. And, yeah. And, yeah. Know, and, and it goes along the lines too where you hear the bloody scream and stuff which i would do if i got my heart pierced mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i wouldn't just take it and be like oh oh i got stabbed Whoops. <laughs> oh i love you so much i can't wait <laughs> that's right another creepy story here inside a creepy abandoned monastery with phantom footsteps where you won't be alone dave cole showed online as freaktography was left terrified after his most recent discovery after he felt a paranormal presence in an eerie building after sunset an urban explorer has revealed his eerie experience after he adventured through the remnants of an abandoned monastery, and he says he was in the presence of ghosts. Dave Cole from Ontario, Canada, known online as Freaktography, was left terrified after his most recent discovery, after he felt a paranormal presence in the building after sunset, and after struggling to navigate the labyrinth-like corridors, he claimed he wasn't alone in that haunted building. Speaking of the frightful experience, Dave told Need to Know that he was subjected to a roller coaster of emotions. He explained the architecture was stunning, even in its state of disrepair, and you couldn't help but imagine the lives that once thrived within those walls. But as the sun dipped below the horizon, the atmosphere changed. Mysterious footsteps echoed through the corridors and shadows danced on the walls, seemingly with a life of their own. I knew we weren't the only ones here, and it sent shivers down my spine. Walking through the maze of hallways, uh, Dave discovered many empty rooms, smashed windows, and empty mattresses after the building had been stripped of everything of value. However, one wall, scarily located in darkness, was graffitied with the chilling words, Free me! He also dis- yeah, right? He also discovered a set of steps leading to nowhere. That's always dis- uh, disheartening. Not disheartening, but uh, a little... Uh, A little freaky when you see steps going to nowhere. Yeah. Speaking about the video of his adventure, which he shared with his 88,100 YouTube followers, he added, the heart-pounding moments just kept coming. Unexplained phenomena seemed to surround us at every turn. Our camera equipment malfunctioned inexplicably, and cold spots appeared out of nowhere. It was a night that reminded us why we're so passionate about exploring abandoned places. Yikes. There you go. Very, very yikes. Yeah. Okay. 
with that, let's see here. What do we got? Uh, we've got one more story here, and then Ziggy's picks. We'll go. Uh, we'll go into the animal world. Terrifying eyeless creature with dolphin-like head washes up on the beach in Mexico. I got to show you the picture here of this thing. Here's the headshot, Bruiser. Ooh, that's terrifying. Yeah, it doesn't look like it has an eye, does it? No, and it doesn't look like a dolphin either because it's got those sharp teeth. Right. I know dolphins have teeth, but those are like fangs. Right, and then let me show you one other picture here. I know we're teasing the audience here. Um, sun worshippers were left gobsmacked after a mysterious creature thought to have come from deep in the Pacific Ocean washed up on a beach with one passerby thinking it was a dead dolphin. You would think so based on the shape. The shape of this thing is a dolphin. Yeah. But it has no fins. Really? Okay, you just showed me the head, so. Right, I just showed you the head. I'm waiting for the rest of it here to, to load. My stuff is loading here uh, slowly. That's what he said. Um, <laughs> um, as freezing temps continued to ravage part of the UK, many Brits were looking to jet off and escape the winter cold for some much-needed sun, but tourists and locals relaxing at the beach one day interrupted were interrupted by a mysterious creature reports claim that an unidentifiable animal washed up at distilladeras beach on the pacific coast of mexico in 2020 and it may have come from deep within the pacific ocean the unusual looking creature bared some resemblance to a dolphin with extremely sharp teeth a serpent-like tail and no eyes according to local media the animal was photographed after it had already been found by people walking on the beach and initially thought it was a dead dolphin, but as they got closer, they realized that it was something entirely different. None of the fishermen interviewed by local media could remember ever seeing anything like it previously. However, they mentioned that in Puerto Vallarta, there's a marine area with more than a thousand, that's more than a thousand meters deep. Some animals who live completely separated from light of sun tend to have rudimentary eyes or a lack of them altogether. However, animals living in the deep ocean do have eyes as they still may encounter faint bioluminescent sources of light fishermen speculated that this could have been the strange creature's home local media confirmed that nobody had been able to identify the strange animal but there are also no reports in the media suggesting that any of these photos were fake let me see if i can pull up i saw a second photo here but it's not showing me the second photo. The second photo was absolutely terrifying too, Bruiser. I can see it being a, a, from that depth, the way that its body, like the head was. It yeah. could be a creature that lives on the bottom of the ocean and has some sort of radar or, you know, like the bats have. Um, and that's why it doesn't have eyes. Just imagine a dolphin with um, no side fins. And okay. just the just the fin, the bottom dorsal fin, um, just to to navigate with. Yeah, and, yeah, and that that makes sense down there too. You know what I mean? Yeah, just very eel like, but but a giant eel, and with those giant sharp teeth. You saw. I mean, it's it was just simply. It, it could have been chasing food. Got up too high. You know what I mean? And, and there's water temperature changes or whatever, and it just ended up on the beach. Like it's happened before. Right. Right. I can definitely see that being a deep sea creature. We don't know how we haven't been that to the bottom of the ocean yet. So we don't know what creatures are down there. We're finding creatures down there every year, you know? That's right. That's right. This thing's terrifying though. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Well, it's time now for Ziggy's picks. As you know, there are many psychic animals out there. 
picking stuff like the FIFA World Cup and things like that and those results, we figured if their animals are psychic, well, of course, our own Ziggy Star Puppet Talia have to be psychic as well. So what we've yeah. done is we've put them up against our own humans, Cruiser and Bruiser, and we're doing a psychic experiment throughout the entire yep. NFL season to see if pups are really psychic and if they can go up against logic from humans and see who is the mightier of the two. And we've come up with some pretty interesting results throughout the NFL season. If you go to darknessradioshow.com in the Ziggy's Picks tab, you can see the entire results for the season. We have seasonal, for the regular season, we've got the, the results now. Yep. We're keeping track of the postseason results and the total for both. Yeah. So we've got all those totals. You can see that at the website. Now, for the wild card weekend, talk about weird results this weekend, Bruce. Oh, you couldn't have predicted some of these games. No, it, it seems like the entire NF, NFC East oh, uh, God. pulled yeah. the Minnesota Vikings this weekend <laughs> and decided to emulate the Vikings and decided that they wanted to choke. Yeah, I yeah. could not believe the, the Packers and Chiefs are my two teams. Those are my two teams. I knew the Chiefs were going to beat the Dolphins because of the weather. Mm -hmm. I knew that. Yeah. The Packers beating the Cowboys was out of nowhere. Not just beating them. They didn't beat them. They banking them. They destroyed them. And then what the what what happened to the Eagles? Oh God. Yeah. I I I picked the Eagles, but after I saw a stat, the Eagles were only one for five in December. So I was like, okay. But the Buccaneers. I mean, yeah. okay, I, I know. I know Baker Mayfield, the game of his life, though. Yeah, ba Baker's on a resurgence, and I get that. And Baker's yeah. being Baker. Okay, that, that's fine. And if you were to ask me, I know people are going to laugh when, I, when they hear this. If you were to give me a choice between Baker Mayfield of 2023 and Kirk Cousins, I'd take Baker Mayfield. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. But the, the fact of the matter is, 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 the, as a team, the Buccaneers are on this huge surge right now. Yeah, not, they are not good enough to go to the Super Bowl. Don't get it. Don't get it twisted. But do you actually think they're good enough to beat the Lions next week? I don't know. The Lions look good. The Lions' offense looks good. Their defense is weak. Yeah. That game. That game was what I expected. Close. Yeah, it was close. It was a good game. Yeah. And yeah. and for a while there, I thought the Rams might beat the Lions. I did too. And yeah. it was a shootout. It was literally a, a shootout between the two quarterbacks, which is great because that, that was the story they were telling. Yeah. You know, is yeah. Goff going against his first team and Stafford going against his. And and it was. It was tit for tat. Goff would do something impressive. Stafford would do something impressive. And it literally came down to whoever scored the last points. Yeah. yeah. It was a very fun game to watch. And and now, listeners got to remember, the pups don't listen to all this. No. They don't factor any of this into it. No. And I tried the the color thing and stuff like that. Yeah. Because the listener had said, "Oh, hey, this might be what it is." No, it's different. It, it, they didn't. So different. Yeah. If if I may, it's so different that Ziggy was three and three this week. Exactly. Talia was five and one. Yeah. Explain that to me. I don't know. In the one game that she got wrong, the one game that Talia got wrong was the Eagles Buccaneers. Yeah. Now, if oranges are a trigger, or if, if I re, if I understand the, the email right, which I don't think I'm understanding it right, Talia picked the Eagles. Yeah, she should have picked the Buccaneers because of the, the color and the logo. Right. But she went she went Eagles. Eagles. 
So, and and she picked, Talia picked the Texans and, over the Browns. And this next time around, we reprinted the graphics in black and white. Oh, did you? Yep. I wanted to take color out of it. Because that was the, the factor he was saying was color. Yeah. So I... I talking to Mrs. Bruiser and I explained to her the email and we went back and we looked at the pics We're like okay we can see a little bit of a pattern like what do we do like we got to get something as a baseline she goes why don't we just print them in black and white that's brilliant like, that's amazing that's, that's brilliant. what we did and then Talia going five and one I'm like okay that I think that debunks the color thing. <laughs> that does that that takes any color out of it that, that's yeah. brilliant that's brilliant yeah so Talia was absolutely on fire this week, and the rest of us went three and three. Yeah, I, I when Talia chose the Packers over the Cowboys, I laughed at her. I'm like, you obviously don't know the Cowboys offense with CD Lamb and and Dak and all that, and how terrible the Packers secondary is. And then during the game, CD Lamb drops three important passes. You know three. what? You know what though? And my uncle Bob will back this up. I told him the night before the game. You guys got this. Yeah. I, I I wanted to change my pick so badly. I, I only picked Dallas because. On paper, they should have won. On paper, they should have won. And yeah. and that's why I picked Dallas. But Me I too. had this overwhelming feeling the night before. And then all of a sudden, right before game time, Vegas put a bunch of money on Dallas. And I said, that's it. Green Bay's winning this game. Yep. And And it wasn't because of the way Green Bay played the week before. It had nothing to do with that. There was just this overwhelming feeling I had that, you know what? Dallas is choking this this game. It, not so much Dallas is choking. Green Bay is going to play this good. Well, I, I, I said to Mrs. Bruiser, I, I said, I, I should change my pick. And she goes, well, I go, Jordan loves coming into his own. In the next two years, the Packers will be in the Super Bowl. They have a young enough team. That you give them another year of seasoning, the year after that, they're going they're going to be Super Bowl bound. They're going to be contenders. If they maintain their core. Exactly. If they maintain that core and they build their defense. Yeah. So hopefully in the draft, they they pick defensive players. But Jordan Love. Oh, yeah. He's it. He's it. He's it. (laughs) He's the guy. He is. Yeah. He's the real deal. Um. So this next week is going to be interesting. I thought San Fran was excited. I thought yeah. I thought San Fran was a sure thing. I'm not sure anymore. I'm not either, and I'm excited for Kansas City Buffalo because you never know how that game's going to turn out. I think Buffalo has it. I really do. I here's a twist for you. I I think the Texans lose to the Ravens. That's what I think. Oh yeah, I, I Mrs. Think. Bruiser says that's going to be the upset. Really? Because CJ, she thinks so. Because CJ Stroud is hitting all the CJ Stroud's coming to his own. They're playing very well. They're playing very well. And their well. defense has stepped up. They have, but man, when you watch the the Ravens have had a week to rest. I, I understand what you're saying. It's but a this home is what, game. This is what she's saying. She's saying you know they stepped up and they've they've been stopping the run game. And if you can take Lamar Jackson's run game away, where you disable his running back and him, and he just has to pass. He's not as good. Oh, I don't know about that. If you watch the last couple of Ravens games, and, and oh, I, have, I agree with you. I'm just telling you what she was saying. Lamar, like she's, she's, Lamar's been automatic in the pocket. He has yeah. been automatic in the pocket. That uh, that's faulty. Uh, that, that's that's just faulty I, logic. I think it, it Ravens go to the Super Bowl. I, I yeah. my Super Bowl yeah. prediction is Ravens Niners. That's what I yeah, think. Yeah, that's that's still mine too. But yeah. but Green Bay is that cog in the wheel, boy. I don't know. I, I was to say I think Green Bay is. I think Green Bay is going to be the. 
deciding factor. They're, they're, it's going to be a tough one for, for San Fran to get over. I, I don't think they come out of that game unscathed. As a matter of fact, I think they probably get an injury or two in that game. I think game. McCaffrey goes down. Yeah, somebody goes down in that game. He's and a I, workhorse, but he's a workhorse that is banged up. In yeah. the week off, yeah, that helps, but he got banged up that last game. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, San Fran's going to get nicked in that game against Green Bay. And, boy, is it going to be a good game, though. Oh, it's going to be high scoring. I'm telling you that right now. Yeah, yeah. If the Packers can do what they did with the Cowboys and, 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 and shut down their defensive players, if they can shut down – uh, Ward and they can shut down Bosa and they can shut down um, not Sweat um, the one they got from Washington. Uh, if they can shut the two ends down and, and Frank Ward right in the middle, mm-hmm. they got it. They and, and they did. Then that's what they did with Dallas. They shut down Micah. They shut down Kersey. You know Parsons could not get in there. That game between the Lions and the Bucks, I think, is a draw too right now. Yeah, I don't. I want to. I want to go Lions because it's a great story. I think. I think Lions but at the, home. You can't. You can't go against them. I just. But the Bucks are firing in all cylinders right now. So. They are, but but Baker is is due to have a bad game, and I think yeah, because he's banged up, he's hurt. Yep. So I think it and happens. We saw what happened in Cleveland. He yep. got to the, this round of, with Cleveland banged up. And they got knocked out by uh, Cincinnati. So yeah, and I think the the Detroit defense is is bound to have a good game here. So I, I think, and I think they have it in this round, and then in the championship game is when they fall apart. But Hutchinson's a beast, and if oh, he yeah, can get he to Baker twice, I think he'll throw Baker off his game. Yeah, and I really want the Lions to win because it's a swan song. Yeah, how crazy would it be to be a Lions Packers for the NFC title? Oh, see, you're already putting them ahead. Of, you're already putting them ahead of uh, of San Fran. I I wouldn't I'm, I'm look past I'm picking San Fran, but I'm cheering for the Packers. I know you are. I know you are, buddy. But it, it's uh, yeah. man, it's a long shot. It, it's, it's like I'm I'm picking the Bills, but I'm cheering for the Chiefs. I know you are. I know you are. I I just don't see the Chiefs getting past the Bills. I don't either. I don't, no, no. It's it's um, their offense is too inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's just not and enough. Josh Allen right now is a freak. <laughs> yeah, there's there's just not enough weapons on the offensive side on the Chiefs. I think to yep. to I think it'll be a low scoring game. I think yeah. the defense will handle Josh Allen really well, but in the long run, Bills win. And I think because the Bills have found a running game. Yeah, that, that's all. Singletary stepped up. Yeah. So. Yep. Well, that's supernatural news. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see what the pups choose. Yeah, you know, we'll do, we're going to do the black and white thing again, and, yeah. and we'll see what they choose. The pups have been impressive, man. I'll tell you. So here's how it breaks down um, when you're talking uh, when you're talking overall picks. Everybody except for Talia got dinged on overall pick percentages. Yeah, this week. So when we're talking overall pick percentages, not not postseason pick percentages, everybody's at five hundred except for Talia, who for postseason pick percentages <laughs> is at eight thirty three. Jeez, think about that. But that little for, wiener dog knows what she's doing. <laughs> I know, but for overall pick percentages now, uh, for for regular season post uh, postseason, Ziggy's at a five fifty seven. Uh, Talia's at a 5.43, Bruiser's at a 5.83, and I'm at a 6.27. Everybody got dinged like by about two or three percentage points, yeah. except for Talia. Talia went up by three percentage points <laughs> based on based on uh, this past week. So it, it's uh, but yeah, 8.33 for postseason pick percentage. Holy shit. Anyways, so it, if you, if before you, we move on to the last story, I do want to say to all the people in the chat room. 
That was awesome when everyone started showing their pets. Yes. Yeah, I love that. That really great. brightened my day. And I want to say great. thank you because I was having kind of a bum day. And then just seeing everyone's fur babies was just, it yeah. brightened my day. Yeah, that was great. We were talking uh, in the in the chat room about everybody's pets. And, and uh, so everybody... Everybody showed pictures in in the chat room, and that was great. And if you want to join the chat room, by all means, on Facebook, there's a Darkness Radio chat chat room. Um, it's a great chat room. We discuss yeah. paranormal. We discuss football. We discuss pets. We discuss porn bots. I mean, it's <laughs> big. Oh man, the one that showed up this morning. Holy oh, cow! Yeah, there was one. I that did, you saw I liked it all. It was a couple of weeks ago. Where everyone's complaining she had a dirty ass. <laughs> <laughs> They just they show up with the link, and normally it's just the link. But the one this morning, boy, you saw you saw everything, um, and you saw the act and all. It was uh, holy cow! And then I think it was Tamara who said something about uh, my eyes, and it was Mickey Mouse poking out his eyes. And then the porn bots took exception, and they just started spamming the room, and I had a lot to clean out. Whew. It was uh, it was a, it was a war there. Um, I think I'll save the story about Earth's last cannibal tribe. Uh, I'll save this one about the cannibal tribe uh, eating the possessed people for next week. <laughs> okay. Um, because, you it know. It adds a little spice. It, is, they, it does add a little spice to the people. We'll, we'll save that for next week. Uh, here's our last story for today. Of course, it's got to be an animal story. So a woman has paid 175 pounds to have her dead pet hamster stuffed and immortalized as a stripper. <laughs> Okay. It's a little supernatural. It's a little dead stuff. It's a little animal stuff to end our program for today. What did this hamster do in his real life where she's like, stripper, got it, cool. By the way, <laughs> there are pictures. I'm going to show you the picture before I read the article. Here you go, Bruiser. That is, <laughs> that is, what, a, on. <laughs> that is what a dead hamster looks like when it's stuffed and put on a pole. Hamsters do not have nice legs. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> but the thong is amazing. It is, isn't it? Um, yeah, the thong on the stripper is a stripper hamster is something else. Jess Porter Langson wanted to do something to remember her iconic pet hamster and turned it into a taxidermy stripper, which watches over her in her bed at night. Yes, you heard that right. A bereaved pet owner has chosen to remember her much-loved hamster by forking out 175 pounds to have the dead rodent stuffed as a stripper dancing on a pole. That's right. <laughs> She's in love with the stripper. Uh, the loss of a companion animal is a deeply personal and often unspoken grief. Not that much. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> People often find comfort in having mementos to their animals, not like this. No. But one woman left people shocked when she opted to immortalize her iconic pet into a taxidermy sculpture wearing a bright pink thong, holding onto a stripper pole and surrounded by dollar bills. Yes, the stripper hamster has dollar bills around it. Yes. Jess Porter Langson, who lives in Brighton, East Sussex, lost her Roborowski dwarf hamster, Hammington, also known as Hammy, in August of last year, but decided to do something special to remember him. The 27-year-old opted to immortalize. Of course, she's 27. Yeah. She Way to go, millennial. <laughs> yeah. She, uh, she decided to immortalize her pet, hustling for money, that's in quote, quotes, as a stripper and found a local taxidermy artist to fulfill her wishes. 
Do you have a feeling that guy was kicked out of the union for doing this? <laughs> the music merchandiser, of course, that's what she does for a living, says the emotional support hamster helped her through her formative years after moving to London in her early 20s. Jess was blown away by the perfect creation, which now lives next to her bed to watch over her. God, I can't look at that picture without wanting to laugh. Oh, uh, you'd wake up every morning laughing. Speaking about her decision, Jess explained, I bought a hamster and that became my little project over the lockdown. I built him an enclosure out of recycled material and stuff. It was my hobby. He ended up a, living a really long time. I only got the hamster because they live for one to two years and that's all I could commit to. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. He, he passed away in his sleep just of old age. Of course, so then you need him to strip for you. Yeah. Uh, he really was an emotional support hamster, which is crazy to say. Jess added, the hamster was so iconic, and all my friends knew Hammy and wanted to see him. So you wanted him naked for you? I was going to say, so you make him a stripper? He needed something special. I don't even know where the stripping hamster thing came from, but I thought, <laughs> what's more iconic than a hamster on a stripping pole hustling for money? You could have put him in a butler outfit with a top hat and a monocle waving and greeting people as they enter your house. That's what I would have done. That's more classy. I was going to say, <laughs> but no, no, she went the stripper route. Jess says she researched local taxidermy artists and found B. Ostrowska, uh, who paid and paid her 175 pounds to stuff Hammy. Jess said, I was blown away. In my mind, I was preparing that... Something wouldn't be right, and I thought I was going to have to tell her to redo it and take my dead hamster apart again. <laughs> Jesus. But when I saw it, I was just gobsmacked, like, wow, this is beyond perfect. She did such a good job. I love the thong. She even sewed it out of little fabric. It's so good. Uh, yeah, the thong's amazing, but I went, it's just... <laughs> Uh, no, not for me. <laughs> she continued, I love his little smile as well. He's got this creepy little smile going on. Jess said her stuffed hamster now lives next to her in her bed, so he looks over her. What, so she can make it rain before she goes to sleep? I was going to say, do you tip the hamster before you fall asleep? Well, you have to. You know, there's there's no sex in the champagne room either. Yeah. Uh, it would be shocking if I ever brought anyone home. I wouldn't know what to tell them. Well, Exactly. You're going to be forever single. That's right. Taxidermist B said it was such a pleasure meeting Jess and helping her immortalize Hammy. His little pink thong was a bit of a different project than my usual horror creations. <laughs> this isn't horror! <laughs> But this, along with the fact that he was a beloved pet, made it even more special. Well, God love you. God love Jess. God love Hammy. And God love me. I need a drink. God save the queen. I guess so. <laughs> That'll do it for Supernatural News. Bruiser, what you got going on this weekend? I'll tell you what I'm not doing, getting a stripper pole for my dogs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> January, this Saturday, I am in uh, AML Presents with Act of War Games 3 in Winston-Salem at the Benton Convention Center. Uh, it's me on Team George South, managed by Violent J, against C.W. Anderson's team with Arn Anderson managing them. Kurt Angle will be there. And it is uh, streaming live on TitleMatchNetwork.com. So even if you can't make it to North Carolina, you can watch it on TitleMatchNetwork.com. Just go sign up. Um, 
I'm in there. I'm in it. It's going to be great. Awesome main event. There's The undercard is amazing, too. There's a five-way dance, a two-ring five-way dance, which I just is going to steal the show. I'm almost upset I have to follow it. <laughs> but, <laughs> I bet. Yeah. And then uh, also AMLWrestling.com slash training if you want to come train with me and learn the ins and outs of underwater needlepoint. Uh, the school's growing, and I love it. And students are going places and you'll see some of them on the show so right on uh if you need links either for tickets or you need links for title match network to be able to watch uh, acts of war games uh just go to darknessradioshow.com slash events you can get uh, you can get links for both of those uh this weekend i am at knsi radio on saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m central time listen to me blabber about weather news sports all that other stuff so there you go. You can keep the cold weather too. It's only forty here, so. <laughs> Jesus, it's one degree below zero right now, and it's, it's not keep getting that shit up north. It's not even getting any warmer until next week, my friend. It is. Uh, uh, what what's the word you guys use down south there? A shit show, I believe. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I believe that's what it is there. Uh, tomorrow on the big program, we have ooh a good one. We're talking Sasquatch. You know, a few years ago, we were we talked with Ron Moorhead about Bigfoot and Sasquatch and Sierra Sounds and the speech of Sasquatch in a particular area. He's got a update on Quantum Bigfoot. Ooh. Yes. So we'll Bigfoot be, with an upgrade. That's right. Bigfoot with an upgrade. So we'll be talking to Ron Moorhead about Camp Sasquatch and its language. So, uh, lots of good stuff. Voices in the Wilderness, Quantum Bigfoot with Ron Moorhead tomorrow on the program. Very cool. Yeah, so, that's coming up tomorrow on The Big Show. For Beer City Bruiser, I'm Tim Dennis. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to this program. Again, I want to remind you to not sit on these programs, to listen to these programs, folks, within two weeks of getting these programs. It's important for us and for our advertisers to keep us on the air. We appreciate it. Um, that's it. We'll see you tomorrow for Ron Moorhead and Quantum Bigfoot here on The Best in Paranormal Podcasting. This is Darkness Radio.